Let me take you to scripture just for a little bit of a devotional this morning to John chapter 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, we're talking about Jesus, through Him all things were made. Without nothing was made that has been made. When God said, let there be light, that was Jesus talking. The light shines in the darkness. In Him was life, rather, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And here are the verses that I want to camp on a little bit this morning. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So it's Christmas time. It's a time where, uh, it's a time where families get together, and I see some of you have families that have come home. It's a time where friends get together, a time where you eat too much, which I already did last night. Uh, it's a time of togetherness, of, of warm, fuzzy feelings, of good times, of fellowship, of relaxing. It's time off work, and, and all those cozy, nice, warm, fuzzy things that you see on Christmas cards. That's what Christmas is about for the most part, is it? And yet the reality is that not every one of us lives a Christmas card Christmas. Some people need to work, and I remember going to work. Kathy and I had Christmas dinner one night at 11 o'clock, and I went to work at midnight driving a haul truck in the mine. What a wonderful way to spend Christmas, driving something that is, is I don't know how many, 12 cylinders of diesel power and, and, and everything else. But some people need to work. I mean, somebody has to keep the lights on, the gas flowing, the phones working, the police, the EMTs. Last night after I left here, I met an ambulance come, come whipping into town with all the lights going, hospitals. And so some people have to work. Other people are alone. And some people have fragmented families or other issues or expectations are disappointed. And I think that first Christmas... That first Christmas when Jesus was born was probably somewhat unlike the Christmases that you and I experience today. And that first Christmas was probably somewhat unlike the Christmases that you and I have come to expect. And the truth is that reality is often different from our expectations. And so how do you handle that? Some people have a really hard time handling it because they have all these expectations of Christmas and then those expectations aren't met and you're disappointed and things don't work out the way that you had planned. How do you handle that? I think there are probably some key facts that we need to recognize. And one of those facts is that Jesus' reality was different from everyone else's expectations. Everybody else had expectations of Jesus, of the Messiah, of the anointed one when he would come. But Jesus' reality was a lot different from what people expected from him. 
His goal, Matthew 1.21, the verses that, that, that was given to Joseph, you shall give him the name Jesus. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 20, You know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And in Genesis 1, where you read the words, when God said, let us make man in our image, the word that is used there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a word that is plural. It's a masculine plural word, Elohim. And there were three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they had a meeting together, I would imagine. I would imagine that they had a meeting and said, should we make the universe? Should we make people? Yes, <clears throat> Jesus said, but if I make people, they're going to sin. And I'm going to have to redeem them. And so the Father says to the Son, yes, but if you make people, you're going to need to die for them. Are you willing to do that? And Jesus said, knowing everything that's going to happen, yes, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go down there and become one of them, and I'm willing to die in their place, chosen from before the creation of the world. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, God did not say, oops, now what are we going to do? And so Jesus had these expectations that he would come and save his people from their sins, that he would go and seek and to save that which was lost. But his experiences were probably vastly different. Before he was born, as his mother was walking around with her pregnancy out there for everyone to see, I wonder what the tongues were saying. I mean, can you imagine that story today? It's a medical impossibility. People back then, they weren't dumb either. They knew that. I wonder what people said about Jesus as he was playing and wandering around the streets of Nazareth. The reality is he came to his own and there was no room for them in the end. His own did not receive him. And so there was that trip to Bethlehem and no room in the inn. And then afterwards we read that they went down to Egypt and lived there for a while because his own did not receive him and King Herod was trying to kill him. Jesus was rejected by even his own family. In John 7, verses 3 through 5, we read that Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one wants to be, who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. He was rejected in his hometown, went to teach in the synagogue, and the people tried to kill him. He was rejected by his followers. In John chapter 6, 
You read the story where Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and he started talking about people eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood and referring to the communion that was to follow and, and the symbols that he would institute. But people thought, that's pretty hard teaching, and the Jews grumbled about it, and so did some of his followers. And some of them said, you know what, if he's going to talk like this, we're not sticking around. And so they walked away from him, and Jesus asked the twelve, are you going to leave too? And they said, no. And he was rejected by his own people. Think of that story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus kind of poked him in the eye a little bit and the, and the guy said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, it's not just you know, the guy down the street, but it's the guy that you don't like. It's the guy that you turn your nose up at. That's the neighbor that I want you to love. And the Jews said, we don't want that. You're not anything that we wanted. And ultimately, they rejected him, and they crucified him. Why? Because they didn't like who he was. He didn't meet their expectations. He violated all their preconceptions of what a Messiah should be. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And we, 2,000 years later, look at that and say, boy, they were a bunch of dummies. And you ask yourself, and we I need to ask ourselves, do I have preconceptions that Jesus doesn't fit? You see, he came to his own, and then there's that wonderful verse, yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's a wonderful reality, and we teach that to people. You need to receive Jesus. You need to believe on his name and you will be saved. You will become part of God's family. And yet, so we claim to be his own and yet I wonder sometimes does Jesus challenge our preconceptions? You know, we have these expectations even of what church should be, what it should look like. You know, when you come in here, how you should sit in rows and how we do things in, in church and, and we say, well, this is church. I had an interesting conversation with a missionary uh, a year or two ago and he, he works in Vietnam. It was John Fast, for those of you that, that, that know John and Arlene. And I said to John, I said, John, do you think it would be possible after I'm done my ministry at Emmanuel to come to Vietnam or even before that and teach the pastors there something. Could I help them? I said to John, is it possible for me to divorce myself from my cultural baggage enough that I can go to Vietnam and help the pastors out? And John said, I don't think so. That's interesting. You see, we have attached cultural baggage to what church should look like, and to what Christianity should look like. We have these expectations. This is how you should dress. This is how you should behave. These are the things that are okay. These are the things that are not okay. It's like I've told you the story. When I came to Canada with my mom and dad, I made the mistake of riding my bicycle to a church on Sunday. I didn't know that was illegal in the group. We didn't know that was illegal in the group that, that, that we became a part of. They had their own rules. I mean, it was, you know, I, I'm not sure whether Jesus would, would agree or disagree that riding a bicycle on Sunday is a bad thing to do. But I think Jesus' challenges are preconceptions. 
And sometimes you need to. It doesn't mean that everything we're doing is wrong. It just means that we need to think about some of these things. I had a letter recently from some friends of ours who are missionaries in Arian Jaya. Arian Jaya is a, is a part, a province of Indonesia. And they work with a group of people that are, are, are fairly primitive. And yet these people are struggling, trying to find their own identity in Christ. And when my friend is a teacher at one of the Bible schools there now, he worked out in the boonies with the people for a number of years. But he's a teacher at the Bible school. And one of the things he said was, we're having some problems in the church. And some of the church elders have been disciplined by the church. And the reason they're being disciplined by their church and they've been kind of turfed out is because these elders... <coughs> excuse me, have adult children who are, who are doing things that are wrong, that are morally wrong. Uh, and so these children have long left home, but they're doing things that are morally wrong. And so the elders have, to, have been turfed out of the church. And now the church says, you have to pay a fine to the church. You have to pay pigs. You have to pay pigs to the church because your children did wrong. And, and you know, the missionaries are trying to teach them, like, like, you know, once the children are gone, the children are gone. But this is, this is their expectation of church, and they're, they're trying to deal with this thing. And we make rules about behavior, about, you know, thou shalt not drink, dance, smoke, or chew, or go out with girls who do. But we leave things like greed, and backbiting, and gossip, and division, and sniping, and selfishness alone. And Jesus still blows away our expectations. Jesus still deals with my own preconceptions. Think about that parable of the Good Samaritan. How much shall I love my neighbor? What's the answer to that question? How much shall I love my neighbor? Only if it doesn't cost me too much? Only if it doesn't inconvenience me? You know, when... You ask yourself that question, how much is enough? And it's never enough. Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? I forgave him, you know, like, like lots of times already, and he did something dumb again. How often shall I forgive my brother? Isn't it okay for me to carry a grudge around? Yeah, but I'm mad at him. And he hasn't asked me to forgive him yet, so then I don't need to. Jesus challenges our preconceptions. And I wonder, <clears throat> if Jesus were to live among us for any length of time, would we be offended at some of the things that he would do and say? We claim to be Christ's own, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We claim to be his own for the most part. But I wonder, would his presence in my life for a month or two make me uneasy? Do you remember, those of you that are adults, I don't know if it ever happened to you. It happened sometimes in my house. My teacher would come to visit my mom and my dad. That ever happened to you? Your teacher would come to your house to visit your mom and dad. I know it happened to me, and I was petrified. I mean, what if my mom and dad told things about me to my teacher, or vice versa? I mean, there was stuff that happened at school that mom and dad 
never knew about or should have never known about. But I wonder if Jesus were to come live with us, would it be like having your teacher come visit your house when you were a kid? And the reality is that Jesus turns our world upside down. He challenges our preconceptions and our expectations. And we need to be careful that we who claim his own don't wind up rejecting him. We need to make sure that he does not become the homeless one among his own. And it's time to check our hearts and lives to see if God is truly with us. Do we want him on his terms or ours? He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yes, he came to our world, but he came on his terms. And he expects us to live on his terms, not on ours. And so I'm asking you this question this morning to look inside yourself and maybe to ask the Lord, say, Lord, are some of my preconceptions standing in your way? Yes, I claim to be your own, but have I fully received you? Am I fully living up to what you expect from me, to your reality, or am I just living in a world that I have created for myself? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, it's so easy for us to look at the people of the New Testament and to criticize them and to say, oh, if they would have only been smarter, they would have recognized their Messiah. They would have accepted him. And yet, Lord, we have developed this own set of expectations too. And I think sometimes you, you don't quite meet our expectations. You don't quite fit. But Lord Jesus, give us the wisdom to see how you expect us to live, what you expect us to live, and so that you would truly be at home among your own and not homeless. Lord, we pray that you would live in our hearts, live in our church, and live in our community, and enable us to reflect the reality that we are indeed a part of your family. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Speaking of family, I, I realized something very interesting this morning, and I, I want to say to you on this Christmas, especially to those of you that are part of the Emmanuel family, but also to you that are part of the greater Christian family, there's something special, I think, about being part of this family. The Bible says that to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, and God adopts us when we believe in Jesus. But you know what? The rest of the family also adopts us. And you have adopted me, and I have adopted you, and thank you for being my family. We come in, in, in this patchwork of, of, of a crazy quilt, uh, and yet God has put us together. So uh, this Christmas, it's not just my wife and our children and our grandchildren. This is our family. And thank you for being part of that and for letting me be part of that. Thank you for coming. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful day. May God bless you and yours richly this Christmas season. We're dismissed. <laughs>